Hello Sweat, I'm Jack Grady and this is the Sweatcast, the weekly podcast that provides industry knowledge about the latest trends in the world of sport and fitness. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Sweatcast. I'm your host, Jack Brady. With me, as always, is the co-founder of Go Sweat, Alex Hind. And our special guest today is Natalie Goodchild. Natalie runs a blog called nataliejohanna.com. So Natalie, welcome to the podcast, first of all. And why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your fitness journey and uh, what you write about and uh, all the different aspects of fitness and wellness that you explore on your blog. Sure, that's a lot to cover. (laughs) Um, I will do my best to to fit it all in. So, yeah, I'm Natalie, and I have worked for a few years now in the health and fitness industry, um, predominantly in marketing, which is what I studied at university. So, after graduating, I've worked quite a bit in sports marketing and also for health and fitness brands, alongside running my own blog. Um, I started started that when I went to study at university because I just kind of wanted to have a project to get into the habit of writing again before I went to study and so I wrote about what I knew and what I loved and that was a lot of years ago now before blogging was really big and before health and fitness became really trendy and yeah I've kind of persevered with it along the way and it's changed as I've learned new things and explored new areas so I'm still really passionate about keeping up to date with that where I can. In terms of my fitness journey um, I haven't always been as active as I am now I mentioned to you earlier, I don't think I could leapfrog till I was about 14. I always complained of a stitch when I ran cross country, even though I still don't think I've experienced one to this day. Uh, But I have always danced and that's kind of, I think in this country, I don't know about in the US, but a lot of girls get kind of sent to ballet and tap when they're kind of two to three years old. And I was one of those girls who was a toddler in the leotard and little ballet slippers <laughs> and I did that for a few years and then I progressed to doing stuff like jazz and modern as after school clubs and then through to sort of street dance and commercial which I did right through my teens until I was a pole fitness instructor for a couple of years before I studied at university and throughout all of that that kept me obviously really fit aerobically and I have since qualified as a fitness instructor and personal trainer, not to work in the industry, but just to kind of extend my knowledge. And now the main thing that I do for my own training is weight training, which I absolutely love. It keeps me really healthy, it's changed my body in more ways than any of the other training that I've done previously, and I just really enjoy it, which I think is really important. Great, yeah, no, that's awesome. So. I was looking at your website, and before we, we kind of dive into some of the more hardcore stuff, I saw something called The Lab on it, yeah. and I didn't have access to it because I didn't have a password. So I was just kind of <laughs> curious, what exactly what exactly is The Lab, and, and how do I get access to it if I wanted? <laughs> okay, so it's not, to be honest, I don't know if it's something really worth talking about because it's something that I haven't updated in a while, but um, when I was writing... a a lot when I had a lot of content that was going out super regularly and I was writing a lot of guides on different topics I would often have downloadables so either PDF versions that you could download or like downloadable worksheets and things like that that you could download so it's just a case of within the blog post that mentions that you can kind of click a button and you'll be sent a, sent a link to access it so that's all that is gotcha. you can access offline. I, I was so curious because like I like with the name the lab I was like what could this possibly be you yeah know it's I mean? kind of a take on my um my love for like the science and the more technical side of training and health and nutrition so that's that yeah yeah so when you say that you now do a lot of weight training what do you mean by that 
So I train about four times a week and I, I probably started weight training about five years ago now and I think it kind of overlapped with when I was doing a lot of pole fitness because I realised actually I really didn't have very much upper body strength as most girls don't sort of in their teens. So that's when I started doing stuff like body pump at the gym and I think actually for anyone who's looking to get into weight training that's a really, really nice transition because it gets you used to really basic stuff that can be daunting like loading a barbell for the first time or figuring out how to use clips. And I know it sounds stupid. A lot of people still have to figure I that know. out. <laughs> I don't even use them. I hate clips. That's <laughs> <laughs> so annoying. Um, but yeah, it is tricky and it's, it sounds stupid if you have been training a long time and, and you are used to just using them like you do it automatically. But for someone who's completely new to the gym, it can be quite intimidating. So I think Body Pump is a really great place to start and that's where I started and then I moved into, into the main gym and again, because it was so long ago, it was before weight training for, was really popular among women and I did get a personal trainer, although not for very long um, because I just really enjoyed learning about stuff myself and just really pushing to see what my body could do and yeah, I've seen amazing benefit from it. So what was that watershed moment where you decided to take the plunge and enter the dark and unforgiving place that can be a gym? Oh, I don't know actually, that's a good question. I think it's, I think it was a very gradual transition, like I said, from dance to dance aerobics. So I did a lot of jazzercise and zumba, and obviously they often take place in, in gym studios. So I kind of gradually got to familiarize myself with my local leisure center back home. And you, as you kind of see it more and more, and it becomes more and more familiar and normal, you kind of eventually get to that step where you've got the confidence to take the plunge but I remember going to a really small independent gym um, I was just visiting a friend and I saw someone squatting and I remember thinking like I want to know if I could do that I want to know how much weight I could do could I lift my body weight and I've always I've never really been competitive in in terms of competitive sports like I said I wasn't very good at sport at school and I'm still not but I've always been really competitive with myself and that's what really drives me so we talked a little bit before the show started, and um, for those of you listening and don't know, um, you have a disease, cystic fibrosis, and obviously having that can make training and, and staying healthy a much greater obstacle for you than it might for someone else. So let me just talk about that and sort of how you deal with it and keep yourself motivated and push through like the hard times when they're there. Yeah, 100%. So... For people who don't know what cystic fibrosis is, because it is, um, it's not incredibly common and it's a very complex condition, I'll give a bit of an overview um, in that it's a genetic condition and in the UK around 10,000 people suffer with CF. It's um, not something that you can catch, it's not something that you get later in life, it is genetic so I was diagnosed when I was two weeks old. and you would end up with cystic fibrosis if both of your parents carried the faulty gene that causes it. So one in 25 people are actually a carrier of this gene, most without even knowing it. So in most offices, there'll be at least one or two people who have that gene with, with no knowledge that they have it. And that was the case with my parents. So there was no family history of cystic fibrosis, but both of them carried one of the faulty genes. And so I was born with CF. On the other hand, my brother, he, he doesn't have either of the faulty genes and, and he is completely unaffected by it. So it really goes to show that you possibly can't know until you actually have children and then there'd be a one in four chance of them having CF if, 
if parents were carriers. So yeah, that kind of gives an overview of, of how you'd get CF and what it affects is a lot of organs of the body. It's most commonly known for affecting the digestive system and the lungs because basically the, the faulty gene affects how water and sodium um, transfer over cell membranes. So mucus in the body is a lot thicker. And I know that's a really horrible word, but we all have mucus in our body. And if mm -hmm. you've ever had a cold, you'll know that it's very obvious in your nose and your chest. And in people with CF, it's just thicker, which means that in the digestive system, it can block the release of digestive enzymes. So anytime I have to eat food, I always have to take tablets to help me digest it. And in terms of the lungs, which is perhaps one of the most severe um, ways that people are affected with CF, is it can trap bacteria. So that thick mucus can trap bacteria, cause an infection, which causes inflammation and scarring, and it kind of becomes a really vicious cycle. So one of the ways that I keep healthy is through good nutrition and through adhering to all of my prescribed medication, but also through exercise, because that helps with anyone in the population, anyone at all will benefit from exercising to keep their lungs healthy. We know it has a really positive effect on the cardiorespiratory system, but in CF, those benefits are a lot more profound. So it can help with things like airway clearance to actually stop those, those things getting stuck in the lungs and causing a problem in the first place. And it can help to maintain lung function and ultimately survival through later life because um, it is a life-limiting condition and currently life expectancy is around 41 years old, although with new medications and stuff it's constantly improving, but it does rely on you to be very self-motivated to adhere to all of your treatments and to get in the gym and to push yourself and challenge yourself and, and you really have to maintain your determination to do that because it can be tough some days. Are there some times when you do exercise where you feel like you can't breathe in the normal way at all? It's literally a bit like doing exercise with a really, really bad cold. Um, for me, I think I've always been, I kind of want to say I've been lucky, but also on the flip side, I have worked really hard for my health. Um, I have cystic fibrosis quite mildly compared to some people who are always in and out of hospital and who have suffered with recurring infections from a very young age. But yeah, it can be tough. I think a lot of people um, probably know the comparison of it's like breathing through a straw. So if you've got very reduced lung function and your airways are a lot narrower because they're inflamed or because they're infected, then it, it can be like breathing through a straw. So if anyone at home listening, give that a go and see how tough it is. <laughs> and imagine exercising while, while having that, that reduced lung capacity. Thankfully, mine has always stayed pretty high and I've, I've had to take some quite extreme measures like changing career paths and things in the past to keep it that way. But it, it has been worth it and thankfully I am able to push myself in the gym and, and enjoy it in the way that anyone else could. And do you think your position from a health point of view and how you grew up doing a lot of different um, ballet, tap, various different forms of dancing, do you think the fact that you needed to do exercise shaped your perception of what exercise gives to you? Um, it's so hard to know, but I actually don't think it has shaped it too much. Like I said, I wasn't actually very good at sport and things like that, and there were times that I wasn't particularly active, perhaps. Um, there was a couple of years where I didn't do dance because of school, school pressures and things like that. But my parents were always really, really good at encouraging me to try new things and find what worked for me. And if it wasn't something active aerobically, they'd get me to do things like singing lessons or 
I played the recorder and the oboe, which are not sexy instruments, mm -hmm. but they are really good for things like breathing control. So that's why some people with CF, if they aren't particularly into sport and, and fitness, they might go down the route of singing and, and playing woodwind, woodwind, woodwind yeah. instruments and things because it can really help with, with helping maintain lung capacity and things like that. So yeah, I think, I think over the years I, I grew to love fitness and I realised how beneficial it was for me. I kind of learned about both hand in hand, how it can improve my health and, and how I can get better at exercising. But I don't think it necessarily affected me. I think I'm just very lucky and very grateful that I happen to enjoy something that also keeps me alive. The reason for the question was, if you think about your average kid growing up, some like sports, some don't, that's always going to be the case. Mm. You grew up not particularly enjoying any kind of competitive or school sport, yet managed to kind of motivate and persevere and create a lifestyle where you saw the benefit that sport has to that. Whereas I imagine a lot of people, um, with or without cystic fibrosis, once they don't enjoy that sport at school, fall off the exercise bandwagon very, very quickly. Yeah. Do you think it was down to your own personal fruition that you managed to kind of keep going and persevering with it? Or do you think that sometimes, you know, help from outside, so parental help, having siblings, all the different factors that go into it? Yeah. And what do you think we could potentially do, when I say we, as a very broad statement, <laughs> Society. Um, society could do to try and encourage kids when they don't enjoy sport fitness to see the benefits that it can actually have? That's a very loaded question. Um, I think that I'm very lucky that I am a very curious person and I'm sure I must be that way because my parents, like, they worked incredibly hard when I was younger to ensure that I was adherent to all my medications and that I did hours, literally hours of physiotherapy every day and they would run me to and from dance classes and singing lessons and all these things. And I'm sure that that has influenced me a lot in how, how dedicated I am to things and how grateful I am to them as well. If they put so much time and effort in when I was younger to keeping me healthy, I see no reason to stop now if they have that faith in me and, and they were willing to push that hard for my health, I should be willing to do the same. So I think that was, it is a huge, factor is your environment and who you're brought up with and who encourages and supports you. So I think a really, really good thing that we can do in society is encourage people to support each other and I know this is, is growing, there are lots and lots of things on social media and different websites and communities that you can join, paid and unpaid, where there are lots of women especially supporting each other through exercise and in terms of in schools I think it's just a case of better education. I think a lot of people are forced into doing PE as typical sports, things like cricket and cross country and that's great and I think people should be aware of those things and have the opportunity to try them because they're a very big part of our culture but for those people who aren't motivated by sport I think there needs to be a much bigger element of education as to the role that exercise and nutrition play in our overall health throughout our entire life and that kids should be encouraged to try different things so that after school clubs should be an option and if they don't love sport then they should have access to perhaps a school gym or, or a personal trainer that will come in and, and work with them. I think it's just about giving them lots, lots and lots of options so they can find something that they finally enjoy. I agree with that final point, they need to find something they enjoy rather yeah. than being pushed down. 100%, if I didn't enjoy fitness it wouldn't be sustainable for me and there are lots of things I have tried 
that I didn't love and I didn't stick to. I'm terrible with stuff like boot camps. I'm not motivated to do things like boxing or HIIT training. It's just not what I love. I really like working out to music and I like throwing weights around and that's what <laughs> motivates me. And I wouldn't keep going back if I didn't love it and it took me a while to find those things but I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, thinking back, there are so many sports that I wish I could have tried when I was a kid. But like, I kind of once you kind of get locked into those two or three, depending on the season, it's hard to to break that yeah. cycle. So I wish, you know, school sort of took that step and introduced everybody to all the different options that they have. I think it'd be important. But some of the sports that I played, like I, I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't really even like any like, <laughs> at this point in my life. Um, kind of going off of that. Um, what advice would you have for someone who is maybe dealing with cystic fibrosis or a disease like it or just dealing with something of some sort of obstacle or roadblock in their life? Um, what kind of advice would you give to that person in terms of being able to navigate through it and sort of incorporating fitness and wellness um, as a means to deal with what they're going through? I think the first thing to recognize is that everybody is going through something so it might not be as serious or life-threatening as something like cystic fibrosis but everyone has something to deal with whether it's a sports injury or whether they're dealing with grief or whether they do have a long-term chronic condition I think it's really important we recognize that everyone is going through something we all just need to be really nice to each other <laughs> I think that's super important it gets so often overlooked and individually for anyone that's going through anything, I think it's just a case of finding a support system, finding something that you enjoy and trying to do it regularly and making it a habit. Um, it can be tough, there's there's no lying about that, it is really difficult to motivate yourself some days but when you find things that work for you and find things that you enjoy, that's when you'll be motivated to keep going and when you see those small incremental improvements, it can be can be just what you need to, to keep persevering with with whatever you're challenged with. And how do you think you get into that mindset of accepting that small changes regularly are what's realistic when there's a constant portrayal of, uh, portrayal, not betrayal, of you know, six weeks of this, three months of this, better oh, shit out there. It's you know? so infuriating, isn't it? And it's something that I'm always, always battling. I really want people to understand that there are absolutely no quick fixes and I hope that given that I'm suffering with a, a chronic condition that I can be a really big illustrator of that, that there are no secrets. I do what I do and I maintain my health against the odds and if I can do it through just determination and hard work and the basics like good sleep, good exercise, good nutrition, then anyone can. There is no magic pill, there is no six week fix. We don't all need abs, and if we all did have abs, it wouldn't all look the same. It's just, it's just completely unsustainable, and people are looking for a quick fix and a, a simple answer or a secret, but there just isn't one. And I'm sorry, that's not very interesting, but it's just true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know uh, you talked about this a little bit earlier, and you sort of take a scientific approach to things, and I noticed that when I was reading some of your post on your blog um, about supplements um, and what people take, what people don't take, and, and what's good and what's not. So we'll get to the bottom of some supplements and much more right after this quick message from our sponsor. 
Hey everyone, Steph here, co-founder of Gay Sweat and sponsor of The Sweatcast. Gay Sweat wants to make discovering sports simple, so we've created a sports marketplace that allows users to easily discover and book sports and fitness near them. No more scrolling through Google, trying to find your local facilities. Gay Sweat lets you search for exactly what you want, where and when you want it. From silent disco boot camps to candlelit yoga and even Quidditch, we've got it all. For 20% off all Ghost Sweat activities, enter the discount code SWEATCAST at checkout. Happy sweating! Okay everybody, welcome back. Um, so right before we left for a break, we asked Natalie about supplements and some of the supplements that I wanted to talk about specifically were things that I've seen that you've written about in length. Um, so we'll start off with omega fatty acids 3 and 6. I guess sort of start by saying what are they? Um, what's good and what's bad about them and, and what kind of we can do um, with our diets to, to get the right amounts of them. Yeah, sure. So I have researched supplements a lot and I should probably disclose I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist, though I've dealt with my fair share of them over the years. I see um, a dietitian every three months when I go for my clinic appointments for cystic fibrosis, so it's something that I regularly discuss with them. And like I said, I'm really passionate and curious, so I, I learn a lot and I do a lot of research on different supplements because if I can supplement with things instead of having to take medication, and improve my health through much more natural means, then I, I would love to be able to do that. And a lot of different nutrients have very therapeutic benefits, which are often overlooked. And I think more people should be aware when they go to CGPs and stuff that actually it sounds really boring. And when GPs give us advice, I know, and the GPs know that people don't stick to it, but if people exercise more and, just GPs and, and if they had great nutrition, then they would actually suffer from fewer ailments. So that's why I do a lot of research into supplements. And omega-3s is something that I take a lot because of their role in reducing inflammation. And I would probably advise people to go over to my blog if they want to read a bit more on that because all the information is very specific and it's all referenced on there as well so you can see that it's come from kind of academic and scientific sources rather than me regurgitating it now and <laughs> potentially forgetting something that's really important um, so I would encourage people to go over there to, to have a look because I do try and write about things a little bit more technically and another thing that I'm really passionate about is the things that I write about I write about because they've helped me against the odds and so I think if they can help me manage a really chronic and sometimes debilitating condition, then there's a chance that they can help healthier people as well. And on the flip side of that, I will never promote bullshit products. Can I say bullshit? Yes, you can. Say <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> I will never promote bullshit products like detox teas or protein shakes that are promote being lean or meal replacement shakes and things like that because... I would never try them myself, I would never review them, even just to be able to slate them, because if they're gonna be, if there's even a chance that they could be detrimental to my health, then why on earth would I promote them in any capacity or recommend them to anyone else? And I just think, in in a way, it's, it's interesting that I have CF and I, I try and educate people on health because I feel like anything that I take or learn about is kind of exaggerated so that the health benefits if it does work for me could be so much bigger and 
on the flip side, if it's a really crappy product full of rubbish ingredients, the, the risks I would be taking with my health to try that would be so much greater. So I would never recommend crap products and I would always put the best efforts that I can into actually researching things thoroughly. So yeah, long story short, go and have a read if you want the specific details on what I found out through my year of supplementing and testing my own levels and, and doing a lot of research. I've never understood what the fuck detox tea is. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any just, sense to me. It just makes you poop. But it's, it's it, you're basically having infused leaves put into water, which is tea. Yeah. And right. that's apparently meant they put, to they put a clear fan. the toxins from your body. They put a fancy word in front of it. does that itself, it's called the liver. <laughs> <laughs> and, and kind of going off that, I know with protein shakes, if you look at the back of some of them, it's just absolute garbage that's in oh, yeah, with whether it be artificial sweeteners or sugar or whatever there's a list laundry list of ingredients usually when you see that there's you know 20 different ingredients in this powder it's probably not a good sign right. um going in usually uh usually that's an indication that there's probably something that uh that's probably not that great for your body in here yeah you might be getting 30 grams of protein but all the other like hidden things you don't you exactly. don't really see and i know Clean eating has had this massive backlash in the media, but actually, I think like everything, it's come from something that's really general and meant really well. And because of people's desire to have this secret magic fix and go to extremes, it became something that it didn't start as. And actually, there is a lot to be said for just eating good foods as they come out of the ground or as they are grown. And I think that has been massively misconstrued. Like, obviously, it's better for your body if you eat stuff in its most natural format rather than eating something that has been chemically processed or literally made in a factory that doesn't exist in nature. So but that's the difficulty: is that everything, especially within anything to do with health and fitness, is taken to the extreme. Yeah. yeah. And generally, for ninety-nine point nine percent of people, you don't need to be at that extreme to have any benefits, and actually, you end up damaging yourself. But right. it's not marketable to say, just eat fruit and vegetables. You have to brand it up as something and then promote these extreme versions of what is in effect eating food that is fresh. <laughs> right, exactly. And same with training. Like, It doesn't seem sexy to say I go to the gym three times a week and I get a lot of rest in between. Yeah. But actually, if I didn't get rest in between my gym sessions, if I trained seven days a week, I would definitely become unwell. And likewise, if I only trained once or twice a week and I did something super extreme, that wouldn't be beneficial either. So it may be boring, but it just works. Like you just need to be consistent and whatever you choose needs to be super sustainable long-term. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel like a lot of, you, you got, we kind of talked about it already, but a lot of these eight week, um, you know, get fit quick things. It's just like yeah. they're they're a dime a dozen, especially on the internet. It could kind of be like a, a black hole of, of stuff that you find yourself in. Um, on an unrelated note, I know I noticed another article that you wrote that I found really interesting um, and, and informative, and I didn't realize how much there really was to it because I'm not lactose intolerant, um, and, and apparently you're not either, based on your article. <laughs> but um, spoiler, what did <laughs> What did you sort of find out about that? It, you, I know you went through pretty much great lengths to sort of educate yourself on it and, and give yourself your own tests and stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. So another thing to say that is not sexy, but these um, 
health testing kits have become more and more popular and more and more mainstream as people have taken an interest in wellness and as tracking your own health has become more common and again like there are definitely issues with that because people shouldn't necessarily be testing themselves for multiple things at home without seeking advice from a professional who can guide them once they've got their results but that said I am in frequent contact with professionals and I have the sense to research everything thoroughly before I do it and I did take a lactose intolerance test because I have had problems digesting milk products in the past and I just wanted to rule out that as an option really so I took a home test which was really easy it was just a case of drinking a, a load of lactose which basically tastes like icing sugar once you mix it into water because essentially it is sure lactose is it's milk it. sugar so if you want to drink a pint of icing <laughs> sugar then by all means go and buy a test but I found it really really insightful I really like the process of doing things like that and as I was doing it as always I paid a lot of attention to research and reading around the topic and I actually realised there was more than one type of lactose intolerance so some some people can have it and grow out of it, other people can get it later in life and other people they can get it as a side effect of having a damaged gut so while I'm currently not lactose intolerant and I don't have a genetic predisposition to it which I've also written about through my genetic testing that I've had done I could still get it at some point in my life and I think it's really good to be aware of that because having cystic fibrosis you can often end up having a lot of really aggressive antibiotic treatments to get rid of infections and obviously that can like anything else like stress or like eating bad foods it can damage your gut and then it can leave you prone to to all kinds of intolerances and, and different health issues. Okay, cool. So now we're going to hop into a little bit of a different portion of the podcast. Uh, basically, we're going to bounce some rapid-fire questions <laughs> off of you. Okay. Now, I know you, uh, you kind of cheated and you listened to some other podcasts of ours, so you know some of the questions. Yes, that's <laughs> a good book. <laughs> so, so we'll see how, how quick you're able to answer some of these. Okay. Um, all right, so number one, uh, do you have a favorite book recommendation or book that you typically give people that you feel like has really had a nice impact on your life? Yes. There is a health book called Gut that I think is a really, really good starting point. It's not a glamorous name at all, but it's a really good overview of how your gut affects your health. And it's a, it's a hot topic at the moment with a lot of people looking at how our microbiome is implicated in different diseases. Yeah. So it's a really good read because we need to take care of our digestive health. Just on that point, what's your view of Actimel and their uh, bifidus regularis culture that they trademarked? Well... I think there's a lot to be said for probiotics, I take them a lot myself, not least because like I've said, I can sometimes have to have antibiotic treatment, but I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about companies marketing probiotic supplements that are also full of sugar, it seems kind of a bit counterintuitive, but um, I mean they taste great. So. <laughs> kind of going off that, have you, this book has been recommended a couple of times called Plant Paradox, have you heard of that book? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, so really, I actually started reading it because it got recommended to me by like a couple of different people, and I and I did talks about uh, leptins or, or lectins, the protein in plants, and uh, your microbiome and stuff like that. It's oh, a really nice. good read. Maybe so far. want to add to my very very long list. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we just kind of hopped out of a conversation talking about some supplements. Do you have a favorite supplement that you use every day, or do you recommend that people mm -hmm. do? I do take Amigas every day, I think it's a really good idea too, but you also can get those from a diet if you eat plenty of fish, so 
Another one that I always go to is turmeric and it's been, mm. again, super popular in the media and popping up in lattes all over the country yeah. for the last couple of years. Are they but nice? I never had I, you know what? I haven't, I haven't had a turmeric latte. I haven't had a I put it in a chicken and I feel like putting in a latte would. I always just feel like if I'm listening to the audio, it tastes like, why did I pick this? <laughs> Same as matcha, like, I, yeah. I just don't. If I want a coffee, I get coffee. coffee. Yeah. I don't want turmeric or matcha green tea. Or yeah. But I've also got a sweet tooth, so I think that's why they don't appeal. I'll go straight for like hot ribena or a green tea. <laughs> yeah. That is my downfall. But yeah, I've been taking turmeric for about probably about seven years in capsule form because I have a condition that's characterised by chronic inflammation and it's known to reduce that, so yeah. that's good for anyone. Anyone should be reducing their inflammation where they can. I might try on my coffee tomorrow, see how nice yeah, it makes it in. I put, I put coconut oil in my, like my first cup of the day. Yeah. It makes it kind of like creamy. I don't, you have to like coconut oil. So kind I guess. of like I know the bulletproof coffee concept as yeah. well, like adding some fat to your... Yeah, yeah Australians yeah. is a big thing around adding butter. Espresso. Yeah, that's. I can't yeah, I don't know about that. that. It's yeah. So <laughs> controversial, but I'm not, not a coffee drinker. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, what's a purchase um, that you've made in the last twelve months for under a hundred dollars that has hundred pounds? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that has had a positive impact on your life. Oh wow. I'm not much of a spender, I have to say, I tend to spend more on, yeah, I do tend to spend on like supplements and food and gym membership and more service-based stuff than actual items, but... Experiences. Yeah, exactly, and things that contribute to my well-being, so I'll, you know, pay for a sports therapy massage and stuff, but in terms of physical objects, most of my money will go on books, so we can refer back to the previous question there, (laughs) or... Again, super cheap, way below £100 but a lacrosse ball for my fashion release because that, that helps me so much. And if you've ever run a lacrosse ball up your neck, yeah, that is just the best feeling to release muscles. I find it horrifically painful if I do kind of a pigeon pose and then lower down onto it so it's like a glute. Yeah, that, oh. that hurts. I used to, uh, <laughs> I do, I use a lacrosse ball for like my hips and stuff like that. And then I use a golf ball actually for my feet. So That's just good. to sort of yeah. yeah, sort of roll it out. It hurts, definitely hurts a little bit, but afterwards it, so it feels better. Um, and okay, here's a cool one. So if you were gonna have a TED talk about something um, not your area of expertise, what would it be about? Okay, so I think I would probably go down the route of sustainability because although I give a lot of talks to like universities and companies and friends and family, anyone that will listen, <laughs> on health and also marketing, I am really, really passionate about sustainability and things like reducing single-use plastics and the impact that all of our disposable lifestyles are having on our oceans and our environment. So yes, I think that is the route that I would go down. Okay, great. And then last rapid-fire question for you is... Uh... What do you do in your free time? So what do you do to sort of get away from it all and decompress? You know what? I, I never really feel like I need to get away from it all. I feel like I'm so lucky to have created a lifestyle where I combine my passions for health and education and marketing into both what I do in my free time and in my kind of work time. And I suppose they kind of fuse, but my downtime for me, like my kind of meditative personal time is probably when I'm in the gym, but failing that it will be reading a book or watching Netflix yeah. or... Any favourite shows? Just chilling with friends. Um, I absolutely love 
the office, the US okay. one, yeah. and pass the US one. Yeah. Best in the UK one, in my opinion, controversial again. Didn't it, it was originally from the UK, no? Yeah. 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 But anything that makes me laugh, I, I can't stand like films and TV shows that are going to make me emotional. I need something super lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. I can just watch to like fully clear my head and just enjoy the time I have free. Okay, great. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Um, all right, so that pretty much wraps everything up for today. Where can everyone find you if they want to get in contact with you? Everyone can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram mostly at underscore Natalie Johanna or on my website nataliejohanna.com. And yeah, feel free to give me a message or a tweet, or I'm always happy to chat about things with like minded people. So yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks so much. That's it for the sweatcast today. I'm Jack Brady. Hit that like or love button and remember to share this podcast. The sweatcast is every Wednesday at 9 a.m. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Remember to keep sweating and see you next week.